everyone, and welcome back to another episode of NYY Takes, brought to you by Pinstripe Prospects and Pinstripe Perspective. And I have a question to ask, as always, Yankees fans, are we happy today? Yes, but my answer might have been different if things had gone differently about 10 minutes ago. Mm. I'll put it that way. Yes, we are fresh off the heels of what was another horrible experience of an extra inning game for the Yankees. Just brutal. But they won. And they won, so we can just basically put it behind us and move on to the next game. I think we would be having a very different conversation right now if that game had gone differently. That had turned into a loss instead of a win because it was such an eminently winnable game. And because at this point, every win... Every game is essential for the Yankees. They need to continue to hold off the Rays who are still playing good baseball. So all the games are important. Something that I don't think any of us saw coming. If we had said September 7th, we'd still be sweating an extra inning contest against the Twins in front of an empty Yankee stadium the day after a rainout. We'd have said you were you would have said we're crazy. And here we are. But a win is a win. And uh Aaron Judge, 55th home run today, so he's must see TV, even a lousy not an exciting game like that today. Aaron Judge is always the reason to go to the ballpark. Yeah, we were talking the other day over in our group chat about how our conversation last week that we had around where would the Yankees be without Aaron Judge. And I think we all kind of more or less settled on agreeing that they would be much worse off and that he's really more essential to them at this point than they are to him. But I think we were still understating the matter as far as how much of the load he's carrying himself right now vis-a-vis the offense. He is the offense. He's now homered in four straight games. Three of those were wins. And I think you could argue that if he doesn't homer in any of those three games, the Yankees probably lose those games. So the terrifying thing to think about vis-a-vis Judge is that you mentioned in the past three games, he's homered, and they've all been wins that the Yankees probably don't win without him hitting homers in those games. The first one was the Sunday game against Tampa to avoid the sweep. If the Yankees lose that game, instead of being five games up, they're three games up. And then you fast forward to Monday. He hits another homer. If the Yankees lose that game, the Rays keep winning. If the Yankees lose that game, they're two games up. Fast forward to the next game today. If the Yankees lose this game and he doesn't homer, you're one game up. So from like a granular level too, if Aaron Judge is for some reason not on the Yankees for the past three games, the, there's a serious reality where the Yankees only have a one-game division lead right now, which is terrifying, but it's five games. Pretty much thanks to Aaron Judge. And shout-out to a good Yankees bullpen too, though. That's definitely true. They, they deserve more than they're due. But it really is. I, I can't remember, at least in baseball, maybe in any other sport as well, another situation where a player carried a team, a stumbling team, to this extent. Just put the team on their shoulders. And, and as we're saying, prove the difference between the team succeeding and the team failing mm-hmm. this way. I, I I am racking my brain right now trying to think of another example. I mean, LeBron James and the 07 Cavs, 
I think we're at that level yeah. with Judge and the Yankees right now. Definitely. And you know what? Talking to, to that's an excellent point, and it really is like a a like granular level of a bigger conversation that's bubbling up. This whole is Shohei Otani a legit MVP contender? Aaron Judge has put this team on his back for the duration of the season, including this god awful stretch they've been in for the last couple of months. Yeah, Shohei Otani is doing awesome stuff at the plate on the mound, but they're still a last place team, you know, or whatever place they're in. They're not in first place, but they're they're not even sniffing the playoffs again. So when you, that Aaron Judge is the very definition of the most valuable player. The Yankees would be at best what a third place team without him, maybe fourth place. The Otani discussion is so interesting because he won MVP last season. He's better this season than he was last season. And it's one of those things, kind of like LeBron. We've now mentioned LeBron James twice on a Yankees podcast. That's mm-hmm. a first. But much like LeBron, where it's there was a 15-year stretch of his career where he probably should have won MVP every single season. Shohei Otani kind of honestly falls into that. But I think with the year that Judge is having, given the Yankees are in contention and actually were on the verge of collapse and have been on the ver- and have been playing terribly except for number 99 is what makes Aaron Judge the most valuable player this year. It's the it's the being in contention while it shouldn't technically matter cuz the Angels without Shohei Otani would be much worse even than they are now should come into play here because the Yankees might not even be a playoff team without Aaron Judge. And the marginal difference from being a playoff team in, or even a contender to not being a playoff team, I think should matter for the MVP conversation. It obviously stinks that the Angels have been terrible and are just a poorly constructed baseball team. They had Tyler Wade and Andrew Velasquez in their starting lineup on opening day. And it's hard to kind of, you know, give Otani some demerits because of that. But I think you have to, especially this season when Aaron Judge, especially if Aaron Judge is going to hit 62 homers and break the record. I mean, there's no one else to give MVP to. But it is it is interesting because what Otani's doing is generational. It just sucks that he's on a terrible team. Yeah, I and I normally scoff at the argument, at, at, at basing the MVP argument on team success in baseball. Because we know that baseball is just not a sport that's structured that way. It's not basketball. No matter how great you are, you're never going to be able to control enough of what goes on on the field to swing a team's fortunes that much. So normally when, when people in, in any prior year when this when the MVP debate is, is going on and people are saying, oh, well, you know, that player shouldn't win because they're not a, they're not on a playoff team. To me, it's usually immaterial. But this year, as we're saying, we could be sitting here right now with the Yankees one game up in the division and. They're five games up in the division. And that is largely due to Aaron Judge. Not exclusively, yeah. but largely due to Aaron Judge. That has to carry some weight in this conversation. It just does. And I know people have issues with war. You know, Aaron Judge is the best player by war, whichever version you want to use this year. And you say, well, that's true. But, you know, Otani, he's saving a roster spot, right? He's doing, he's he's pitching and he's hitting. So you can't really quantify that by just adding up his war as a pitcher and as a hitter. I understand that. But... He's still not doing what Aaron Judge is doing for his team. He's not providing the value that Aaron Judge is providing for his team this season. And it's too yeah. bad because because they they're they are both deserving candidates without a doubt. 
Yeah, and I think the Otani thing feels, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm not reading it the right way, but it feels somewhat manufactured. Like, I think we've, we're excited by Judge. We love what he's doing. But are we just looking for, for an alternative at this point? Because far and away, he's the MVP. Like, he, it's a season where he's not, like, the NFL's def- definition of most outstanding. We've been talking about the value of putting the team on his back and carrying basically the walking dead for the last two months. So you know, we've talked about all the injuries that the Yankees have had, and one one person, you know, given his status and his stature, and you know the fact that he's the biggest player on the biggest team, and he's the MVP. And I just think it feels kind of manufactured. Like I don't know, maybe it's just the East Coast bias, but I don't know. I just don't know. I'm not Otani. I don't think is in, should be in the conversation. I mean, I think he should be in the conversation unless you're saying the conversation should be judge and only judge. <laughs> and there yeah, is like there is no conversation if it's because it's just Aaron Judge should be MVP. And I, and I yeah. more or less agree with that. It, it's hard. And I it, I think it is East Coast bias. Like I'm not watching Shohei Otani every night at 11 p.m. play for the Angels. When I do watch, he does great. And I try to watch every time he pitches. And he's been a very good pitcher this season, especially. But I agree, it has felt like, it, it feels like some people are kind of saying like, oh, you have to give it to Otani because what he's doing is so generational, which is like, sure. But what Aaron Judge is doing is quite literally being the reason the Yankees aren't in total freefall right now. Right. And the difference between a, the, the division winner and not a division winner. And the difference between maybe Brian Cashman keeping his job and not keeping his job. Which brings us to our next discussion about Brian Cashman. So it piqued my interest on this, as you guys know. Today, literally within the hour, 5.46 p.m. at New York Post, it was aggregated, but New York Post uh, aggregated a clip from some WFAN show called Tiki and Tierney with Tiki Barber and Brandon Tierney. And Brandon Tierney said Brian Cashman's job should be, quote, hanging by... A thread and he made some decent points brought up jeff weaver kevin brown sonny gray jacoby ellsbury josh donaldson aaron hicks a lot of interesting decisions over the past 10 15 years he's been general manager the yankees have had more or less success Maybe not for Yankee standards, but for baseball standards. The the Yankees don't have a losing season since Brian Cashman has become the general manager of the New York Yankees. But a lot of the noise this past week, especially when the Tampa series was going awry, was wear your fire Cashman's shirts to the stadium on Monday and let's start fire Brian Cashman chants and sell the team chants for how. But I ask, do either of you actually think Brian Cashman's job is in any realistic jeopardy this season? And what would need to be the outcome of this season for Brian Cashman's job to actually be in jeopardy or even for Brian Cashman to be on the hot seat at all? So I like that you brought up the sell the team chance in that prelude there, because yes, (laughs) sell the team, Hal, sell it. Because I because I can't stand the fact that the I mean I know the Yankees are going to say oh we have, we run one of the highest payrolls every year they have the third highest payroll this year they should have the highest payroll in baseball every single year 
by a lot because they're worth way more than any other team. So just going to submit that at the outset. I think that when the team doesn't do well and payroll is not at the very, very top of the league and payroll hasn't kept pace with revenues, with team revenues, then the blame should first and foremost fall squarely on the ownership. So just putting that out there. But beyond that, I think the conversation about Cashman is interesting because I personally am still parsing through how much I think Cashman is responsible for, let's just say for this discussion, what's happened the last three years. So really 2020, 2021, and 2022 have all been, by Yankee standards, a disappointment to some degree, right? 2020, they barely snuck into the playoffs, short season. Last year, they were projected as the runaway division winners, and they only made the wild card game. On the last game of the season. On the last game of the season, that's right. And this year, yes, they had that amazing start, but really the last two months have been a gigantic disaster. So just about the last three years. I think Cashman should hold some responsibility, but you could also argue that, you know, the reason why Cashman made the trade for kind of left on Donaldson is because he wasn't given license to spend money on a better shortstop. And he felt like he needed to make that trade as, as an alternative to signing a better shortstop. So that's with the ownership. In terms of what goes on on the field, I mean, Cashman restocked the farm system back in the middle of the last decade, produced some young players that were supposed to be long-term contributors, if you think back, besides Judge, who's obviously super panned out, but Gary Sanchez, Greg Bird, Luis Severino, Glaber Torres, Miguel Andujar, Clint Frazier. These were all guys that were supposed to be the core of the next competitive team, and every single one of them, with the exception of Judge, is not panned out, but is that Cashman's fault? He's not the one who's coaching the guys on the field. He's not the players who are either living up to their potential or not living up to their potential. And I think, you know, Cashman has also made trade after trade that has just proven to be wins. Now, he does have some losses in there. That's true. I mean, you know, obviously the trade for Gallo last year didn't work out. But he's also uncovered a lot of hidden gems. I think back to the the Luke Voigt deal back in the day, um, you know, that was one that that Mm-hmm. really buoyed the team for for you know two years getting Gio Urshela who submitted an incredible season and a half for cash basically for for no assets at all he's pulled off some really great transactions that have furthered the team's fortunes during that time as well so yes have the last three seasons been super disappointing yes and I should I should uh just submit on on top of all of this that if the team does end up completely collapsing and not winning the, the division I think that the organization has a clean house no matter what, because that's yeah. an organization that's a that's a failure of of, of everything. Um, but but I can't in good faith sit here and say that all the all of the Yankees' problems over the last three years rest on the shoulders of Brian Cashman. I don't think that's a fair assessment. No, I I two hundred percent agree with everything you just said there, Matt. And it's interesting when you think about the first half of Brian Cashman's tenure with the Yankees. He had an open checkbook. He had an unlimited credit card. Do whatever you want. Spend whatever you want. Money did not matter. Since Hal took control of the team, it's always been budget, budget, budget. These are the numbers. This is what I want you to stick to. And it's funny that you mentioned the revenues because everybody, not everybody, but there's been a lot of conversations recently about how the Yankees' payroll has stagnated and not 
increased as their revenues have increased. You know, you can't cry poverty. I don't want to hear about how much the state we financed our own stadium, and I don't want to hear about how 2020 impacted the team when you're throwing a hundred plus million dollars to buy 10% of AC Milan. And now you're opening up new revenue streams because you just so happen to land replays of their matches on the yes network. So now we're getting AC Milan rammed down our throats, whether you're an AC Milan soccer fan, or if you're a soccer fan in general, at least two out of three of us on this panel are, but you know, if the revenues and the payrolls are, are not going in the same direction and they're both going up, what are the Yankees really concerned about? And I heard an interesting quote that Brian Cashman was all, or not Brian Cashman, Hal Steinbrenner was all for limiting, you know, um, a salary cap essentially because he gets to keep all of that revenue and they don't have to spend like Yankees fans are accustomed to him spending. So, you know, and like you just said, I don't know if how much of it is on Brian Cashman. Certainly his weird infatuation with hanging on to prospects in lieu of landing the big fish uh, trade target the last five years. Not, it seems crazy now, but not including the now Jackson Frazier and Miguel Andujar for Garrett Cole. Kind of nuts, but not trading. I don't know if it's Volpe or whoever the deal was for Castillo, but now Castillo is doing great. Frankie Montas has had some pretty mixed outings recently. He's kind of finding his way the last couple of starts, I think. But yeah, I don't, as much as I was banging on the, you know, leading the drum for uh, Brian Cashman to get fired, I think you made a very eloquent case for not necessarily firing, but he's just doing what he's told. He's getting his marching orders and going about it. And, you know, I, I don't say that he deserves an extension by any stretch. But I definitely think that the payroll needs to increase to match these revenues that the Yankees love telling you are booming. We'll talk about that momentarily. But the payroll is not booming, which is kind of wild considering they have the third highest payroll in baseball. So, you know, I don't think he necessarily needs to be fired. But I think some elements of the way that they run the organization need to be reviewed in the offseason. I can't believe Les mentioned Saria A in this podcast before I did. Yeah, that was that was not on my bingo card, for sure. Um, I agree with both your points. I mean, want to talk about more trades that Cashman has executed? Traded Mike Talkman for Wandy Peralta. Wandy Peralta has become a high leverage pitcher for the Yankees and a reliable one for the past year and a half. Mike Talkman is not a major league baseball player right now. Traded. Um, who did they trade for Clay Holmes again? Hoy Park. Traded Hoy Park for Clay Holmes. Not a Major League Baseball player. Clay Holmes, currently the Yankee closer. There is no denying at all that Cashman has made many a great trade on the margins for the Yankees. Short of the IKF Donaldson trade, that trade might as well just be a wash. So not necessarily a a winner slash loser because Gio and Gary haven't been great this year. It's a losing trade in lieu of not signing someone like Carlos Correa or Corey Seager. For now, at least. Who knows how good Anthony Volpe will be or how good Oswald Peraza will be. And I also agree, and I think a big reason why Cashman has the job that he has is because, you kind of mentioned it less, is he's just a punching bag for Hal. We don't really see Hal at least that publicly all the time, taking punches himself, a lot of that trickles down to Cashman. 
and Cashman is really good at taking some blame for stuff that Hal is doing. And I think that's what any owner really wants in their GM, someone that they can trust to get in front of the media and deal with the media and deal with the problems that people have with ownership. And Brian Cashman does that so well because, I mean, he's been with the Yankees for longer than I've been alive. So it's not so much, I think, with Cashman, a question of, yes, you can talk about team success and players here and there that he's signed that haven't panned out or players here and there that he's traded for that have panned out and been really good deals. It's more how does he interact with Yankee ownership? And I think Yankee ownership and Hal Steinbrenner are very happy with what he provides them, which is kind of a punching bag. Hal doesn't really take the flack to the same degree that Cashman does. All of it goes on Cashman, and Cashman's really good at handling all of it. So I think that's why he keeps his job and why he's had this job for such a long time alongside quote-unquote winning because, you know, in the last 20 years, they've only won one World Series, which by Yankee standards wouldn't be great, at least modern Yankee standards, you know, depends if you're talking about some dark years for the Yankees in between the 80s and 90s. But that, to me, is really the reason he has the job that he has because he's, he's, he's a really good general manager for an owner that doesn't like to be criticized a lot. That's kind of how I feel about him. But I ask this. If the Yankees, hypothetically, and at this point I don't think it will happen, but hypothetically blew the division and were a wild card team, Regardless of what happens in the playoffs, does Brian Cashman lose his job? I think he should. I think he should. I think Boone should certainly lose his job as well. Should or will, though? If you had to guess, like, what the decision will be. That is a great clarification. Yes. So if if the question is will, I think the answer is actually no. Because you put it very well, Robert. Cashman does exactly what ownership wants him to do. Boone does exactly what ownership wants him to do. They love those guys. They wouldn't have brought yeah. Boone back on, an, on, on a new contract if they didn't. They're punching, love they're what punching he was doing. Absolutely. So I don't think they're going anywhere, regardless of what happens. I think you guys are both right. I think, they, I think they're all in the same mindset. And you know, the mindset is we're, we're the Yankees. We're going to give you guys what you need to succeed, theoretically. And say that our payroll is always among the highest in baseball, but reality is it's not always properly allocated. You know, $25 million to Josh Donaldson is a pretty terrible deal. Um, some of these other moves, but yes, they, they, Hal likes what Cashman does. And you know what? The thing I admire most about Brian Cashman is that he owns things in the press. You know, he will go on the Michael K show. He'll go on, he'll do every interview. He'll do press conferences. Yeah. He doesn't hide at all, and he'll go out there and take take his hits, and he'll take his laps when he deserves them. So that's one of the things I admire about Brian Cashman. Boone, I I don't know about Aaron Boone. Like I think they, if something goes awry, I think they should probably try to find maybe a more experienced bench coach for him, because I don't think he's been, I don't think he's been doing a good job. Um, Keeping the players motivated, keeping the players honest, you know, so I, I, these meltdowns that he has occasionally, I hope the players see them and not just lip service for the press, but I don't know. I just think they like what everybody does. It would it would take a massive collapse for anybody to lose their, lose their jobs right now, and I don't think Hal Steinbrenner has the stomach for building the ownership, the organization himself. 
His dad has all these pieces in place. He just shows up, talks about the revenues, talks about this and that, and goes about his day at the horse farm. But I don't think he has much involvement on a day-to-day basis with the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, getting rid of Brian Cashman means probably getting rid of a lot more of the front office, which means completely rebuilding not only the front office, but probably also the team. Because if you have a situation where Brian Cashman is no longer there, you don't have the stability to bring back someone like Aaron Judge, and then you're starting from square one again. I think the only possible, possible scenario where where Cashman would be fired point blank is if they actually just miss the playoffs completely which is obviously incredibly unlikely. But I think that is the only scenario. I even think if they made the wild card game or made the wild card round and lost, I still think his job would be fine because the fallback would be, hey, did you see our lineup in September? We had Ronald Guzman and Esteban Floreal playing every day. There would be something to fall injuries. back on. Yeah. Injuries, banged up throughout the year, bad luck, you know, the shtick. Um on Boone, though, one thing that he did today that I really liked, and this is kind of a sidetrack point, but it was in Oswaldo's last at-bat during the walk-off. He swung hard and, like, sw- I think fouled the ball off his knee or, like, twisted his, in- his knee or something. And Oswaldo's been struggling. I think before that at-bat, he was, like, oh for his last 26, 27. Clearly pressing. And he gets hit, and obviously he's in pain, but he's, like, uh, rushing to get back in the box. And Boone comes out of the dugout, and he's just like, hey, relax take a deep breath and chill out and then later in the at-bat Oswaldo obviously comes through with two strikes so while Boone maybe and he brought in Greg Weiser against Correa and Miranda in the with the bases loaded when they were down 4-3 which was maybe an obvious decision but definitely the right one so while Boone maybe has his issues as a manager I do think he's very good I think he has really good feel and a really good understanding of how a major league baseball player operates. And, you know, as we learned from Joe Girardi's tenure, that's kind of what the Yankees valued. They wanted someone with a quote, human touch. That was like the, the whole shtick when they hired Boone. Um, and that trickles up to, you know, Cashman to some degree. I mean, Cashman is kind of robotic and Boone provides that on the field presence for the players. Cause I actually don't think the players like Brian Cashman at all. So I think Cashman is like kind of ruthless when it comes to, Player negotiations, contracts, we learned that in the Jeter doc. We're learning that with Judge. I mean, Cashman is going to drive a hard bargain, and he's going to try to get you to take the deal that is in the best interest of the New York Yankees. So, yeah, I mean, I think Brian Cashman's a good GM. I think he has the safest job in baseball because he's good at this job. And the only way he loses his job is somehow not making the playoffs this season which would, as we know, be very difficult to have happen. Yeah. Which is a little scary because it's like, it'd be incredibly frustrating if they blew the division and lost the wild card round because then you'd have everyone calling for Cashman's head and still nothing would get done. That would be a very interesting scenario. That's, that's like the fringe scenario for me where I could, I could actually see something being shaken up, but I would still be surprised because they still made the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think Hal just leans on Brian Cashman so much that he he got the autonomy to build out the organization, to build up the analytics department, scouting, and all of that stuff. Whereas for so many years, the Yankees did not pay attention to building a farm system. Their draft picks were pretty well terrible for year after year. So Brian Cashman's done a good job, and you know he I I know that we're talking about his future with the Yankees, but 
I'd wager if he's a serious contender for a Hall of Fame shot at some point down the line, too. Like, his ability to succeed in New York, to have success, like you just said, he's never put together a losing team in his tenure. So I wonder if there's down the road, there's a trip to, to Cooperstown for Brian Cashman. I think he needs, I think the Yankees need to do a little more on the championship front for that to happen because those 90s, those late 90s teams weren't like completely his creation. Whereas oh, all of these, Stick and Bob Watson. Yeah, all of these teams are pretty much his creation. So this team, this team, especially like 2017 to now, like this is the, the Brian Cashman baseball team. And they've fallen short every single season. So it's really interesting because Yankee fans are clearly, you know, pissed off and kind of fed up with the way things are going. I mean, every single day that a lineup comes out, people are absolutely flabbergasted at the names that they're like, seeing and and like, the placement of players. So like Oswald Peraza coming up and getting his ass nailed to the bench for whatever yeah. reason. And then today he goes out and has a nice, nice game. So He's starting, he started game one, he's starting game two at short, and that part's going to be interesting, how they balance the time, the playing time, and, you know, the better player should play if that player is Peraza, then it should be Peraza. Well, and I think it's, you know, Robert, you, you, you pinpointed something important, which is that, you know, even in 2009, so for the first thing about 2009 is that that championship was engineered by a huge spending spree that the ownership okayed that offseason. You know, that the Yankees don't win that championship yeah. without handing A-Rod his massive second contract and then getting CC Sabathia, A.J. Burnett, and Mark Teixeira. But the, that team was still, you know, Jeter was a huge a huge player on that team. Rivera, you know, it was still, there were still some holdovers from Impedit, you know, holdovers from the core four era. Um, and so it was really the, the current era that was Cashman's and Cashman's alone. And just because of how well things were set up in 2017, the Yankees had a cost-controlled young core with lots of, of, of team control years remaining. They had a lot of payroll flexibility. They had a, a very good farm system. You know, at the time, the farm system was ranked in the top five in the game. They had all of the ingredients of a dynasty, and people were talking about it as such, and they have not won a World Series since that time. Now, Again, we can debate how much of not winning a World Series is due to bad luck, whether a lot of it is due to things outside of Brian Cashman's control. But the fact of the matter is that they were set up to win a lot and to win championships five years ago, and that hasn't happened. So we've got to grade Brian Cashman on that curve. And the other thing, which is more of just like a gut feeling thing, is that there there does come a time when a change of mindset is needed. Like ideas just get stale. Right. And he's been in the job for 25 years and a lot has changed in baseball and in the world in 25 years. And sometimes you just need an infusion of of just of just new thought, you know, new ideas that sometimes is just what needs to happen. And so, you know, whether it's the if they need the excuse of the Yankees collapsing and missing the playoffs, if they manage to make the decision some other way, like there will come a time when Brian Cashman will have to step aside. And perhaps it's going to come a little bit sooner than we than we thought it would. And maybe that won't be such a bad thing. What's fascinating about that conversation, too, and, and, I, and I think by the Yankees, and you compare them to most teams, um, typically somebody with Brian Cashman's resume, Brian Cashman's record, his tenure with the team, he gets a promotion, right? And like you were just talking about, an influx of talent, new 
new thought processes. That way you're not suffering from brain drain. But somebody like Brian Cashman would have been promoted to president of baseball operations. And they have a baseball operations structure in place, like what Andrew Friedman does with Theo Epstein did for the Cubs and what Andrew Friedman's done with the Dodgers. Typically, it's somebody with a baseball background, and that's how the organization gets structured. The weird thing is, and again, we'll talk about this, the Yankees have Randy Levine. I don't know what his job responsibilities are, but he's the team president. He doesn't take place in contract negotiations. He doesn't do player evaluations and the free agent front. I don't know what this blowhard does besides getting in front of a microphone and talking about Yankees revenues and and how they're still the best brand in, in sports, but Typically, Brian Cashman would not be a general manager. You know, he would be ba- president of baseball operations with maybe maybe a Damon Oppenheimer taking over as GM or Kim Ng not going to Miami and being the first, you know, uh, Asian-American female to be a, to run a team in New York. It's just a weird dynamic that the Yankees have. And, you know, maybe Cashman shouldn't have been GM, maybe deserved a promotion at some point. But it's just a weird dynamic in New York. Yeah, I think Randy's one of these guys that was kind of part of the whole Steinbrenner crew. And then, you know, he's kind of he's just in charge of the money. And again, he's another Mount, he's another Steinbrenner guy. I mean, he's that's part of the family. He's part of like the family almost. What was that? That's well, Lon Trost is the CFO. Like he actually handles the money and, and all of that stuff, too. Like, I have no idea what the hell Randy Levine does. It's a pretty good gig. It's a great gig. President of the New York Yankees, and no one really knows what your actual job description is. Sounds pretty cool. Any yeah. other any other thoughts on this Cashman situation and people wanting Cashman fired? Any anything that you need still need to get off your chest? No, I think people just need a, a reality check and just pay attention to who's actually in charge, and it's. You know, Brian Cashman will sign the players if he's allowed to sign the players, but he's not allowed to go out and spend a whole lot of money anymore. Yeah, Brian Cashman can only do what Hal Steinbrenner lets him do. So anytime you're upset with the Yankees not spending money or not making a trade here or there, think about it for a second and say, hey, maybe Hal didn't let him do this. Because as we have now learned, that's a real thing that happens. Maybe never happened with George, but it certainly happens with Hal. Anything else? Nope. That's time it. for time for time for ups and downs. Okay. Matt, let's start with you. Your first up of the week. All and right. down of the week. So my up this week is gonna be Oswaldo Cabrera, not only because we just saw him get what might prove to be a very crucial walk-off hit. This this win today was really important. So that's that's the primary reason for him being the up. Now, I know he hasn't hit much otherwise. In fact, his offensive numbers are very bad overall. And he was in that terrible, terrible slump prior to getting the hit today. He was over five before the hit today. But the secondary reason why I'm choosing Oswaldo is because I am tremendously impressed by what he's done in the field. Uh, Now, this is a story that's well known at this point, but Oswaldo Cabrera was not an outfielder coming up in the minor leagues. He is sort of a jack of all trades, but he primarily played the infield as a minor leaguer. He uh, spent some time in the minors at second 
at short at third. He's played all around, but he was really not an outfielder by trade. And it just makes what he's done all the more incredible. The major league level, he's thrust into a role as basically the everyday right fielder at this point, or more or less the everyday right fielder. And he's done outstandingly well out there. Defensive stats should always be taken with a grain of salt, especially in such a small sample. But he's now up to 91 innings in right field this year. And he has seven defensive runs saved in that time. 91 innings, seven defensive runs saved. And his UZR per 150 is at an outrageous 42.4. And the eye test also shows that he's really comfortable out there. He has a great feel for the position. He's made good catches. He's gunned down runners. He's got a great arm. He's playing a tremendous right field. Totally unexpected. Totally incredible. And I think a real credit to the to the type of young man this is and the work he's put in and really just being willing to take the plunge and just do whatever the team needs to be done. So for all those reasons, I hope his bat comes around so he becomes even more of a well-rounded player, but he's really impressed me. So Oswaldo's my up. And my down is A-Rod because A-Rod may be about to lose two records in two weeks. So just today, Aaron Judge passes him for most home runs in a single season by a right-handed Yankees hitter. He had 54 in 2007. The record is now with Judge. And it's looking increasingly likely like it's going to be just a few more days until Albert Pujols passes him on the all-time home run list. I think Pujols is up to, is it 695 now? Or is he still at 694? But he's either one or two behind a Rod 695. He's one behind a Rod 696, so it probably will not be long. So poor A-Rod is, is, is getting bumped down uh, slowly but surely here, peg by peg, by both Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols in the same week. Poor A-Rod. Yeah, it's always poor A-Rod. Because if he had <laughs> kept playing, I think Pujols might run into the same situation, right? I mean, he, Pujols might hit 696 and then retire. So so we might, might have some very similar situations there. Um Oswaldo Cabrera being it up, I almost made him my down. And if he didn't hit that walk-off single, he would have definitely been my down. Before that walk-off single, he was one for his last 28. With that walk-off single, he is now two for his last 29. But I agree. He has made some notable plays in right field that have helped the Yankees win games. Another player that I think will help the Yankees win games defensively is Harrison Bader, who we love to talk about, Matt. We do, and, and he, will, he will definitely help the Yankees win games defensively. There's no doubt about it. But, I, yeah, I mean, I think Oswaldo's a really good example of why you can't have someone like Matt Carpenter or Giancarlo Stanton, Stanton playing outfield in a playoff game. I mean, today there were multiple little flares out to right field where if Giancarlo Stanton is playing out there, those are falling in there for base hits, and the Yankees are losing this game today. So – it can't go understated, especially when your offense, we now have to accept this offense is not a juggernaut and probably won't be. And you can say DJ and Rizzo will get healthy, but I don't even think that's possible. Anthony Rizzo can't even stand up straight without a headache right now. And DJ LeMahieu clearly has lost all ability to hit the ball hard ever since this toe stuff became an issue. Glaber homer today, but he's been unreliable. So there's a lot of problems in this lineup. Donaldson's got some issue with his shoulder, but plays every day and still can't hit. So it's going to be defense and pitching for this team, and I think Oswaldo Cabrera is a really good example of how you can win games without having to hit all the time. You make the defensive plays and you prevent runs. 
and score just enough to give a good bullpen the chance. Les, you're my up and down up. this week. I'm pretty happy about my up, and that's going to be Oswald Peraza. I I was beating the drum for this guy to, to come up to the show because there was no reason for him to be in Scranton any longer. Aaron Boone decided he wasn't going to play him with any real frequency, and you know, today, cheers to Oswald Peraza for getting his first major league hit. Really exciting performances at the plate. You know, he looks confident. He looks, he didn't look like a rookie coming to the plate today. And a couple of nice plays on the infield, too. Like, he and Glaber got, got to gel pretty quickly between short and second. So that looked, that was really promising there. So Oswald Peraza is my up for this week. And my down is Aaron Boone's lineup card. I don't know if he's just picking names out of a hat when he's putting these lineups together, but I get what he's trying to do. Get anybody in front of Aaron judge to try to break this three month slump that they're in, but they're baffling to say the least. Like, I don't understand why Oswaldo Cabrera is leading off a game. Like labor Torres is leading off a game, you know, because I guess you want to get somebody to run into a couple of fastballs while Aaron judge is hitting behind you. But uh, the lineups are just weird. Like on any given day, you can have Aaron Hicks hit cleanup or knife. What are we doing, Aaron Boone? Let's figure it out. Let's find the lineup and stick to it the rest of the way. Well, I think it's hard to figure it out, especially when so many guys are struggling. It's like you want to try to find a spot for them that works. Right now, Aaron Hicks is leading off in this game and has forced an 11 pitch at bat so far. So uh, that's yeah. good. <laughs> He's probably going to end up getting out, but at least he's making the guy work. Yeah, this guy that looks like he... uh, Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan looked like he did a stint working at Subway before he took them out today. Uh, He probably did after that four-hour game one today. Yeah, kind of looks like Jack Sparrow a little bit. Um, But yeah, the lineups have been weird. I have not been nearly as angry about them as... Many others have been because it's like you kind of just got to like shit something out and hope it sticks and find a way. And I think it's hard to construct a great lineup uh, with this roster as currently constructed. I mean, LeMahieu ideally is the leadoff guy, but we've been talking about it. He's he's hurt. He's hurt pretty bad. This toe is this toe is really holding him, holding him back. Yeah, he's toast. I think he's toast. And it's the same thing as last year when he had the sport turnia. He just wasn't the same player. I think this is a very similar scenario as Aaron Hicks ends up grounding out in a 13-pitch at-bat. So my up of the week is none other than Greg Weissert. And he's been pretty good. But he's really the up of the week because, Matt, you spoke about how important this game was earlier today with Oswaldo Cabrera hitting the walk-off. Greg Weissert came in... With the bases loaded and one out, down 4-3 in extra innings with Carlos Correa and Jose Miranda due up. Gets Correa to pop out on one pitch and then gets Miranda to fly out. That's masterful. And then the next inning, the Yankees end up winning the game. For someone that Greg Weiser that made his debut in Oakland and looked like he was about to like throw up all over the field and in the dugout, yes. for him to come into that scenario facing one of the best hitters in the game, followed by one of the best rookie hitters in the game, and just get him out, no problem, and make Miranda. Miranda saw his slider 
and thought he had been like teleported to a different dimension. He couldn't believe what he had seen. So good, good for Greg Weiser. It's hard, obviously, to pitch in the major leagues. It's hard to have it be your first season in the majors come up in that scenario and in a pretty freaking big game that you feel like you need to win. Coming off of Ronald Guzman, horrible shit show that I'm about to get into. But yeah, Greg Weiser, way to do a job because that's just awesome. My down of the week is Ronald Guzman. I I never want to see him play baseball again. Uh, that dude, bases loaded, nobody out. Uh, if you don't know, hit a ground. He hit a ground ball to Luis Arise. Arise throws home, which fine. But Ronald Guzman is caught staring behind him at home plate, not running hard, and ends up getting thrown at it first for a double play. The Yankees don't end up scoring, and then the next half inning, the Twins take the lead. So Ronald Guzman almost came up, batted cleanup, struck out four times, and then grounded into a double play with the bases loaded, nobody out in extra innings. So he basically almost came up for one day and ruined everything. Because a loss, a loss there could have been very, very bad because Tampa's probably going to freaking keep winning because that's what they do. And very scary having that team on your heels. So yeah, Ronald Guzman, I don't know what's up with you. I don't know if you're if you were just kind of a prisoner of the moment there and were caught napping and looking behind you, but that is like grade school type stuff that you're taught. Just run hard to the base. So those are my ups and downs. Nothing too in-depth. But Greg Weissert, man, he's starting to climb up my trust tree. Greg Weissert happens to be from uh, my wife's hometown, Bayshore, New York. Very cool. Very, very cool. Another guy that is much like Greg Weissert that I hope is coming back is Zach Afros. I mean, we, we spoke about this very briefly. And before we get into predictions, we spoke about this very briefly in our group chat today, but I think we've now kind of come to terms with the fact the way the Yankees are going to win games for the rest of the year and in the postseason are going to be shortening games, scoring just enough runs to give the bullpen a chance. And Efros coming back will be big. They have Luchavino in the bullpen. Hopefully Chapman will come back because Chapman had a moment there where he actually looked decent before whatever tattoo infection happened. Clay Holmes looks normal. Loisaga looks like 2021 Loisaga there. So I actually think while there was a moment there where the bullpen was really shaky, I think going into the postseason, there's a chance it's really, really, really strong. And I think we're starting to see that now, and we saw that today in that extra inning game. Wandy's been great. There's there's a lot of guys you can go to there. So starting pitching, you'll have your horses in Cole, Montes, Severino, Nestor. You'll have Tyone there if you need him. And you'll have a strong bullpen, and you'll have Aaron Judge in the lineup, and he can hit a homer, and you win the game. That's going to have to be the recipe for the rest of the season. The days of Matt Carpenter hitting three homers are long gone, I'm afraid. Yeah, that 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 took a while for uh, for you to get get me there, Percy. I don't like the idea of having to, of the way that they have to win games, but yeah, it's pretty unfortunate that you can count on one guy in the lineup and then hope for the best the rest of the way. But yeah, you're right. They've got to play good defense, shorten it up with the bullpen and, you know, hope for the best the rest of the way. So I'm, we did get into a pretty, we've gotten into a lot of animated discussions about Harrison Bader and yeah. I'll be interested to see what he actually is, you know? For, yeah. I mean, for I a think while, I, I didn't realize what he looked like. I'm like, does this guy look so, I keep picturing Clint Frazier for some reason, but no, they don't resemble each other. Yeah, I mean, he cut off all of his hair. 
he had these this long flowy hair that he that he cut off the second he was traded to the Yankees. Um, but yeah, I think having him in center field is going to be a very welcome sight for us and for anyone that's watched the Yankees and for the Yankees themselves because I don't know. Having Aaron Hicks out there has been tough. Obviously, Judge out there has been good, but it's nice having Judge in right field shoring up that position. Now you have to deal with a left field absence because Ben Intendi is kind of finished. We don't really know what the deal is with him. Um, so everyone was kind of, you know, ragging on the Monty trade, but now it almost makes sense, right? I mean, you just lost an outfielder. So luckily you have won, presumably, getting healthy and coming back to help your team. And Domingo Hermanas looks good, too. Yes. So that's, been, that's been an adequate replacement for for Monty. I mean, glad Monty's doing well with, with the Cardinals, but Domingo, Domingo Hermanas has looked pretty good. Definitely. Domingo has been serviceable. I don't think Monty being on this team would change much of what's happening right now. Um, and I think Bader coming and being healthy and contributing in center field will be a material difference that we'll be able to feel, I hope. Any other thoughts before we get into our predictions? Okay. <laughs> Matt's on Matt, time Matt, Matt, Matt you're so quiet over there. You just don't want to get angry about Bader. No, we've already we've already had the discussion. I do think you know now with with Benintendi going down, you you do you are in a position where any warm body in and out in the outfield is going to make a big difference, and one that happens to be tremendous defensively is certainly going to make a difference. So uh, I hope he comes back, and I hope he he is the same player he was prior to the foot injury, or he's all the way recovered from the foot injury because we need warm bodies out there. That's all there is. Waldo's batting fourth. Oswaldo Cabrera, cleanup hitter. What in the world? I mean, good for. I mean, people complain that Boone, you know, is some robot mouthpiece, but this is clearly Boone trying to give Oswaldo some damn confidence. Yeah, that's what I, mean, I the think. Players have, the players have always liked Boone. That's never been a yeah, question. That's never been the question, I guess. That's correct. All right, so predictions. Uh, let's just for the sake of how important the series is going to be. Obviously, we have the, the there's the one game against Minnesota tomorrow. But what do you think the outcomes? They have an off day Monday. So what's your outcome for the next four games? It's three against Tampa over the weekend and then one against Minnesota tomorrow to finish out this series. So with the caveat that I am not likely going to be watching very much baseball this weekend because I'm going on vacation. Very nice. With with my girlfriend who does not care about baseball at all. Fair enough. Whoa. We're, dri- we're, we're driving up to Quebec City. It's going to be great, but probably won't be watching much of the much of that series. So I guess that is a preface to the fact that I probably will not be that useful on next week's podcast. But I'll submit <laughs> a prediction for these four games, and I'll go with two and two. Okay. I'll go as far as to say that's the coward's choice. It is the coward's choice. But no Unless... one, again, no, no one can blame me next week yeah. then. Because I won't have watched the games, so it's just the cop out. True. Les, what you got? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say two and two. I think they they think they win tomorrow the Ray series. I'm going to say that they're going to do something weird and go three and one. I agree. I think that's also mine. What are your? 
iterations of like are they going to lose to the twins and then sweep the rays what's going to happen where are the three wins they're going gonna to beat the twins tomorrow they're going to beat the rays friday and saturday and lose on sunday Friday's Derek Jeter uh, Hall of Fame induction night, so you know, it? it's gonna be a pretty ele- yeah, it's gonna be uh, electric at the stadium. And oh, is it actually? I'm going. I'm going to that game, and I didn't even know that. Good. You should ship me your uh, your giveaway. <laughs> what is what is the shtick for that game? Uh, I think Derek will be there throughout the first pitch. It looks like there's a replica Derek Jeter Hall of Fame plaque presented by Bank of America with the first forty thousand guests. Wow. Nice. Didn't also, know that. Aaron Judge just stole third. Is he going to be a 60-20 player? That's a conversation <laughs> maybe we can have next week. Yeah. Okay, so he's press been, release here. exciting. Yeah, former Yankee captain to attend and throw out the first pitch. Cooperstown plaque will be on display for fans during the game in the Yankees Museum. It doesn't seem like there's much else. I don't know. And they're sure as hell not going to lose on on Yankees or a spare mug day on Saturday, so can't lose on that. <laughs> Seems like a lot of pageantry. Pageantry. Um. So, mm, I think they're going to go three and one. And much like us, I think they will win tomorrow and win two out of three against Tampa. It's hard to predict which games they'll win against Tampa because the starting pitchers have not been announced. But what we do know is that it won't be Cole or it won't be Nestor. So we're looking at some a bulk bullpen game probably tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's Nestor. Oh, tomorrow's Nestor. Okay, that's yeah. right. So it'll be some. Hurt. It'll be some iteration. Montas will pitch. They just don't know which day Domingo will pitch. Probably. So uh, maybe not though, because Domingo pitched today. So it's all it's all very weird. They're gonna have to figure something out. They'll probably call someone up, or I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I agree. Three and one. With you less. Any final thoughts as we wrap up here? Any last words? Winning this twin series, I think, is a great opportunity for everyone to take a deep breath, mm. calm themselves down a little bit, and get ready to get super stressed again for the race. I agree. I think everyone pump the brakes a bit. The big series is starting on Friday. Uh, that's season. That's season changing. That series, kind of depending on how that series goes, and that's why it's so important to take care of business against the Twins tonight and tomorrow. I've got nothing else. I'm excited that I now discovered that I'll be going to Derek Jeter Hall of Fame night. I have no idea what that means. I feel like it's not going to be much. I he'll throw out the first pitch. You'll get a pretty cool giveaway. What are the odds I I, I leave that giveaway behind at my seats by accident? <laughs> how's, your, how's your track record with that? Pretty bad. I've lost multiple gloves at Yankee Stadium from like way back in the day. Wow. Never got them back. Um, yeah, I've got nothing else. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. Please remember to rate five stars, subscribe, turn on notifications so you don't miss an episode. Tell all of your loved ones about the podcast so that they listen too. You can give Pinstripe Perspective a follow on Twitter at Pinstripe Purse. You can, of course, give Pinstripe Prospects a follow on Twitter at Pinstriped Pros. They do a lot of great work over there with the Yankees farm system. 
but the Yankees farm system is now the major league team all of a sudden. So <laughs> there's that. But not much else. The Yankees feel like they're hanging on by a thread, even though they have a five-game lead. We will talk to you next week when hopefully that lead gives us a little bit more to be relaxed about. But without further ado, go Yanks.